like a boat set adrift a ship on a sea. That is the small group of exiles from Israel who had been taken captive and taken to a faraway land, rudderless and without a captain. The waves of circumstances had driven all hope of all of the future being any better than the present. They are freed from captivity. They go back to Israel and what awaited them? Grueling work. A defenseless city whose walls have been torn down and gates have been burned with fire and the temple of God abandoned and left in ruins. All the gold stripped and the treasuries gone. They were land and a people without identity or purpose. Maybe you found yourself in a similar situation. In desperate need of direction because you're drifting. Of purpose. In need of a fresh calling or a fresh outlook, or just a fresh start. So as you think about your boat and your sails, are they full of wind taking you to new places with God? Or could you use some fresh wind in your sails? As the Israelites return home, the psalmist writes a psalm, a prayer, and in the middle of the prayer, ask God a question. This is our theme verse for the next few weeks in this series. Psalms 85, 6, would you not yourself, you God, you the only God, would you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Could you bring us life and hope that once again we could rejoice like we used to? Revive, really a great translation would be to bring to life. God, we're asking you to bring us the life of heaven, the breath of God. We're asking you to put wind in our sails. We're asking you to move in, in, in glorious power. We're asking for souls and miracles. God, we're asking for momentum. We're asking for a heaven-sent, devil-stomping, God-loving revival that will move us out of our comfort zones, out of our lazy boys, and into the harvest field. God, we ask you to do what only you can do, Set us ablaze as our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, all God's people said, come on, welcome to all of our campuses this weekend. Come on, give the Lord praise. That's right. Whether you are live, online, God behind bars, or maybe you're with us this weekend at Bristol, watch party getting ready with Pastor Stephen and Tabitha getting ready for that launch. We're thrilled that you're here. You picked an incredible weekend to come and worship with us. Now, if you're here and you're not sure about who or what God really is, but you know there's an empty spot and you're sort of seeking, or maybe you're not sure about the church, a lot of people are not, or you're wondering about faith, is it really a walk or is it just, just simply craziness? Well, we want you to know that we're thrilled that you're here because you can belong before you believe. You can come be a part, and we believe if you'll connect, God will open your eyes and take you on a journey that will be absolutely mind-blowing. We really do want so much for you. We want a fresh wind of peace, a purpose of, of the power of God blowing and filling your cells and taking you off the map. Now, if you've been around Faith Promise for a while, you are very accustomed to hear me talk, pray, teach, and think about the word or the, the thing or revival. It is something that I'm very passionate about and have prayed about 
for the bulk of my Christian life. Fresh Wind is the title of the series. It comes from a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word that is translated fresh wind or the breath of God, the Hebrew word is ruach. You'll hear me say it. It's found in the book of Genesis where the ruach moved across the surface of the deep as God creates the universe. You see it in the book of Numbers. You see it in Job. You see it all. But my, one of my favorite expressions of the term ruach is found in the book of Ezekiel. Again, Israel has been led captive. Now, what would happen is when they would forget God, worship idols, begin to be wicked, God would say, let me show you what it's like to serve the world. And the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Philistines, the Girgashites, the Hittites, the Termites, somebody would come in and get them and take them. God, see, somebody's listening. <laughs> would take them captive, and, and that's where they were. They were captive. The Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar would take them, Ezekiel is the prophet. He has been prophesying. And God gives him this incredible vision and takes him to Armageddon. I've been there many times. It is where the last great battle will be fought. It is, it is where hundreds, over thousands of years, hundreds of battles have been fought. And the valley is full, the Bible says, of dry bones, very dry. And then God asks Ezekiel a question. Ezekiel, my boy, can these bones live. And Ezekiel said, only you know God. So he said, speak to the bones. Now, when, when, when I do a book for us, and the, you'll be getting one in December, well, I do every year, I talk about a, a, a faking a faith declaration. That's what God was telling Ezekiel to do. Speak to those bones. They, there's a great rattling. I think we've already sang the song this weekend. I hear the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the passage where that song comes from. And the bones come together and sinews and flesh, but they're still dead. And God says, Ezekiel, can they live? He said, only you know, God. Then he said, speak to the Ruach, the breath of God. And Ezekiel speaks to that which is not as though it is. And he speaks to the breath of God, and that breath fills them, and they rise up an exceedingly great army. That's what revival is, making these dry bones live, raising up an army of spirit-filled believers who walk in purpose and walk in passion. So for decades, I have prayed for daily revival, the Ruach of God, the fresh wind in our sails, because Ruach is resurrection power filling the sails of the people of God. Revival is God's life breathed into each one of us. Revival is a compound word, re, which means again, and vival, which means life, re-life, life again. In the medical term, we find the term revival or revived. When someone has been revived, they are either unconscious or they are dead. And we use a defibrillator. You've seen it on movies or in the medical field, you're well away, put a little, little juice on that, and by back when, thump, and they, you know, they sometimes they come back to life. I wish when Mike and Zach were boys, I'd have had one of those. Because there had been a lot more thunking going on at my house. And I wouldn't have hurt my arm swinging the belt. I could have just thunked them. Not a real, come on, ladies, not a real high voltage. It's, it's okay. Some of you ladies, you wouldn't do that, would you? <laughs> ah, when Michelle wasn't home, I would do it. It's no question about that. And so literally, several years ago, I was preaching. It was, uh, it was a Sunday morning. And in this aisle, somebody fell out dead. 
just fell out dead. I'm watching thinking, hmm, I wonder what's happened there. But see, when I'm preaching, there are 10 campuses watching. So I usually try not to address anything in the room. The only thing I talk about in this service is, that's in the room is Jasper. <laughs> and he came last service and I almost couldn't preach. It was, it was very difficult. And so, and so I'm watching, I'm moving over here. I'm moving over here so the cameras, and more and more people, 1,000 people, 1,200, everybody's looking over there. So I finally says, okay, I want to, so I preach my way back over here. I'm just watching, talking to everybody. Finally look, and they're, they're pounding on the sky thinking, this guy's dead, which I found a letter he was. So I said, hey, all campuses, somebody's having, there's, we have a medical emergency. Let's just stop and pray, boom, and God resurrected the guy and brought him back to life. Our medical team and safety team, and we've got great volunteers See, revival is from death to life. What's better than that? See, it's God's real love putting back into our lungs, life in our lungs. In the sea of our own hearts, the waves pound and toss us around, distracting us from God and detouring us from the course that Christ has laid out for us. Ever felt like you were headed in the wrong direction? And you're not sure how your boat got turned, but you're not going in the direction you originally set out for. How did this happen? Where, where did I steer wrong? What, what do I do now? Or how do I course correct? How do I get back? Look at all that's happened. We'll sit back back and hear this tale, the tale of a faithful ship. Anybody recognize that? Come on, come on, baby boomers. That's when TV was good. Gilligan's Island. Come on, somebody. Now, come on. There we go. So, the, but the, we're, we're going to go look at the, at the first sailor in the history of the world. His name was Noah. And Noah is a preacher of righteousness, and the world is wicked, sort of like it is today. Wicked. So God says, I'm going to destroy everybody that does repent. I'm going to start over again. So Noah wants you to build a gigantic boat, a ship. We're going to put two of every kind of animal. We're going to start over. And so it takes Noah 120 years to build the boat. Noah's building the boat, building the boat, building the boat, telling everybody to repent, be able to get on the boat. But nobody's seen rain, and so nobody believes. Everybody's laughing. That's why they can laugh at us. But I'm going to tell you, God gets the last laugh. And he won't laugh, but he gets the last word. And so... Uh, they, it's, so they, the faithful day comes. God says, get in the boat. Everybody's given an opportunity. They get in the boat. The animals go. Listen, here's key. God closes the door. Because when the rain started to fall and the water started rising from the bottom and then from the top, they began to beat on the ark. But Noah couldn't let them in because Noah didn't close the door. The doorknob was on the outside, not on the inside. Are you with me? Listen, this is why we got... This is why we've got to get fired up. There will be a last sermon. There'll be a last gospel invitation. God will close the door and the day of grace will be over. And then the last great battle and it'll all be done. And so, man, we got to make hay while the sun is shining. So you'll find the story of, of Noah in Genesis 6, 7, and 8. So Noah and his kids and their wives, his three sons and their wives and his wife, I've been on the boat now seven, eight months, and Noah begins to try to figure out where they are and when are they going to land. 
Well, they only had one window on the ark, and the window faced toward heaven, not out here. See, we spend a lot more time looking out here than we do looking up here. Would y'all agree with that? And yet God said, Noah, I'll be the revelation that you need. So Noah's trying to figure something out. So Noah releases a raven to see if the water's gone down. The raven goes out there. Now, the only problem with this sending a raven is the raven is unclean. It's considered an unclean bird because it eats bad things. The raven flies around. There's no place to land. The water still covers the earth. But, but the raven sees the bloated bodies of the people that are drowned in the flood. And the raven is content to eat the rotted flesh of the bodies that are out there. We in the church have become like the ravens. And we become content to dine on the things of the world and miss the glorious things of God. And, and we're missing revival because we've, we, we're dining on the wrong things. So the, the raven doesn't come back, so Noah sends a dove. Well, the dove was a clean animal. The dove is not going to land and eat that rotted flesh. The dove flies around, comes back. There's no place, no place. Well, well our lady lets the dove out again. The dove comes back. There's a broken olive branch in her beak. Well, the olive branch represents the branch that will be broken of the tribe of Jesse, Jesus, the Messiah who would come. That's the prophetic, the prophetic word in that. He waits another week. He lets the dove out. The dove never comes back. And we really don't see anything else about the dove for generation after generation after generation until one hot Judean day, a wild-eyed, wild-haired, camel-cloak-wearing, bug-eating prophet is baptizing people in the Jordan River. In the middle of the day, coming down the hillside, he sees Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus of Nazareth. He sees the Son of God, and he said, Behold, the Son of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus comes in the water. John baptizes Jesus, and as Jesus comes up out of the water, the Bible says, And the heavens opened up, and the Spirit came in the form of a dove and landed on Jesus. Why? Because after all these years, there was a clean spot for the dove to land. Come on, come on. What, what we have to do, Faith Promise, is clean off a spot for the dove to land. No longer ravens, entertaining, dining, satisfying our desires with the things of the world. We're going to clean off a spot for the dove to land and bring the fire of God one more time. Michelle and I have been married, I don't know, 18 months, somewhere around there, two years. I was on staff at Eastwood Baptist Church in Ottawa, Tennessee, and I was the part-time youth director, and uh, I was going to college and uh, was laying carpet on the side, working around the clock. Michelle was a bank teller, and that's about the time faith came. But we wanted God to do something. We were at a just traditional Baptist church, nothing happening, nobody really getting saved, just church. Are you with me? Just church, normal. And so we just began asking God, God, we, we, need, you to, we need you to do something. Now, I'd never really seen revival or the power of God fall. 
And all of a sudden, God shows up in our Wednesday night student service. And we got about 12 to 15 students. And God shows up, begins doing our work. And that, that 15 became 20 and 25 and 30. And we had to find another room. And that 30 became 40. 40 became 50. 50 became 60. We had to find another room. We moved to the gym. 75 becomes 80, 80 becomes 90, 90 becomes 100. God is moving. The principal of Udawah High School calls me and says, hey, I need you to come speak because something is happening at our high school. I was so afraid and so young, I got somebody else to do it for me. Now, can you imagine me letting somebody else do that? But I didn't understand what was happening. Let me just be real. I was afraid. I didn't quite know how it started, and whatever happened, I didn't want it to leave. And, and God's moving every Sunday. When, when we started, there was, there were, in this church, there was a, a big center section, and there were two side sections. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sorry, ladies. Every church, you know, ladies want a center off for a wedding. We didn't have one. And so the students sat in the back, and they moved to the front. And as, as revival began to break out, we ended up filling that whole section with students and then they moved to the front and started moving, filling the middle section. Every invitation, Sunday morning and Sunday night, lasts 30 to 45 minutes. Because there'll be 100 high school students on the, floor, on the floor laying, weeping, begging God to save their friends. And here would come their friends. And I mean, God is at work. People are being saved every day. Students are coming by my office saying, hey, so-and-so told me if I, would, if I would come by here, you could tell me how to meet Jesus. And it was a revival at school. They had Jesus all over. And I was a chaplain of, of Udawah football team, and they would jack somebody up and then pick them up and tell them Jesus loved them. <laughs> I'm telling you. It was, it was steep. Well, all the cheerleaders came, the whole football team comes. It is, it is God, God is moving in power. And then it stopped. And I said, oh God, why? I don't know why you started, I don't know why you stopped. I found out years later, the pastor told me the adults were mad because the invitation was taking too long. And they were staying after that one hour because students were laying out there weeping and they, it was interfering with beating the Methodist to the Dairy Queen. He didn't tell me that because he knew I would have killed me somebody. Because see, y'all need to rejoice. I'm a love preacher today. I'm sort of like a puppy, just cuddly, lovely, just ooey gooey. Come on, back then, I would tear your head off and pour salt in the hole tell God you died. I would preach just called names. The people were mad. There were men that were mad at my pastor, and he started getting sick over it, stress. I, he'd call me. I'd get up on Sunday morning and say, hey, Fred, Bill, Sam, Jesse, Jim, y'all and our pastor, you made him sick. Why don't y'all get out of here and go to another church? Just go ahead and leave now. No, you didn't say that. Like I said, I used to be mean. I wasn't a love preacher like I am today. Again, I'm as cuddly like a kitten, just loving on people. <laughs> the deacons would be having, would be doing burnt offerings on the front porch during service. You have to fight your way through cigarette smoke and cigarette butts to get in the house of God. Come on. I went to the pastor, let me fire those deacons. They are worthless. They don't even come to church. He said, Chris, you can't do that. I said, oh, if you just give me, give me 30 seconds, I will. <laughs> and then I got... Loving, kind, compassionate. You know, but let me tell you what God did. He gave me a hunger 
for the power of God. Because I know God could do more in five minutes than we could do in 50 years. I know it. I've seen it. I believe it's God's will to revive us. Is anybody with me? I believe it's God's will to rewrite the 29th chapter of Acts. You say there's only 28 chapters. No, there's going to be 29 when we get done when the Holy Ghost writes the 29th chapter right here. Fresh wind. Filling ourselves, the power of God moving like we have never seen before under the power of the, of the wind. After the cold waves of the water of this world put our fire out, revival's gonna bring it back. When our sinful nature tries to take control, revival is gonna put back purity. When our sin grieves the Holy Spirit, revival's gonna bring back holiness and the fear of God. When we get distracted by the things in this world, revival's gonna get winning ourselves and purpose back in our hearts. When we've lost sight of people that are on their way to hell, revival is gonna put tears in our eyes and a burden in our heart. When we have tried to kick God out of the captaincy, revival places God back where he deserves first place in everything. Come on, somebody. Come on. Let me tell you, COVID ran its course. Christ is about to rise up as king in this house. Man, we're gonna see God do something incredible. Man, I believe God longs to revive us. I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, but we gotta get ready. See, listen, faith is getting ready. So I need you to open up your heart. I need you to get raw and real. I, man, I, how many of you say, Pastor, I, I want revival? Let me see, hold your hand. Every campus, come on. Come on, Anderson, every campus. Oh, come on, hold it up. All right, put them down. If your hand was up and you're not serving, get off your blessed assurance and get in the game. Here's the deal. I want revival, pastor. Then we got to get ready. We have to get ready for what God's about to do. I mean, we got to get ready. When, when we launched Farragut, 500 people left Pellissippi to go help launch the Farragut campus. And, and I owe no faith, Pastor Chris, Told the executive team, hey, we're going to kill the 845 service. It's going to die on its own because so many people are going to Pellis, are going to Farragut. Let's go ahead and take that service offline for a while until we build back up, and then we'll relaunch it. People at 845 begged me not to do that. I said, hey, we got to do it. Here's what God did. Here's what God did. Here's what God did. The day we launched the, the Farragut campus, 1,000 new people showed up at Pellissippi. Yeah, one time, hold up, wait, 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 before you clap, before you clap, listen, there was no place for them to sit. There was, no, there was not enough people serving in preschool. There was not enough people in the parking lot to take care of them because I didn't have enough faith to get ready and they all left and didn't come back. I'm asking you as your pastor, let's get stinking ready for God to bring about revival. That means we need more ushers. That means we need more people in the parking lots. We need more people with preschool, more people with children, more people serving in worship, in production, more people serving with students. Come on, somebody. We got to get ready. I want it. Then come on and do something about it. Aren't you? Come on. Do something about it. Get ready. Get ready. God gives us a recipe in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Solomon has just built the temple. Revival is happening. 
Literally, the glory of God, the Shekinah of God fills that brand new, one of the seven wonders of the world, just billions upon billions of dollars to build that today. And God fills it. The priests run out. They can't minister. In the midst of, of revival breaking out, God says, now listen, here's what's going to happen. Y'all are going to forsake me. You're going to forget me. You're going to bow your knee to idols. You're going to want to be just like the world is. You're going to be like the raven. You're going to dine on the things of the world, and you forget the things of God. And when you do, when you send away your protective covering, I'm going to let somebody come in and take you out so you get to see what it's like serving me or serving them. It happened to them over and over and over, and they never learned a lesson. Seems like we don't learn it either, do we, really? Come on. And in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, in the middle of revival, God says, if my people, the biggest word in the Bible, if, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I'll come and heal their land. Folks, I want God to come and heal and bring revival. So those are what we have to do. We gotta, we've got to get ready for God to move. Does anybody believe that with me? So listen, we're been grieving the Spirit of God. Let's clean off a spot for the dove to land. Let's clean off a spot for the dove to land. Maybe let's be real. Can we be real for a minute? How many of you watching porn last night before you came this weekend? How many of you are married and are having an affair? How many of you are single and committing fornication and having sex outside of marriage? How many of you are bowing to the idol of greed, but you don't give? How many of you are, 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 are stuck on the things of the world, distracted? What do you want more, the raven or the dove? I want the dove. I want the power of God to flood in this house. The families are restored. And junkies are set free and... People that are trapped in this world are saved and people begin to walk under an open heaven and people begin to experience God and it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Oh God, Father God, only you could do it. God, we're sick and tired of dining on the world's stuff, the raven. We cry out for a revival. God, would you convict us? God, would you help us repent and return that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Campus pastors, take it away.